0: steeler fans welcome back to another episode of steeler stat geek this is behind these two curtain editor Dave Schofield coming at you it's thursday morning it's the off season we are turning on yes the nfl playoffs are still going on and actually i got a playoff question to talk about here uh in the second half uh you know dealing with the steelers dealing with the current playoffs i went into last year's playoffs a little bit we'll get to that in the second half but we've got a better great not I don't I don't want to say better, but more Steelers related question that really dives deep into numbers. So when I say better, I mean from a from a, a numbers calculation standpoint. This is going to be a lot of fun today because I'm just going to dive right in. I'm, before I do, I want to say. Questions. I'm always looking for questions this week. I'm answering two questions, one in each half. And actually the first half's probably gonna the first question is gonna flow into the second half a little bit because I know it's gonna take a lot of time to get through some of these numbers. But I want everyone to know I'm looking for your questions this offseason. I want to know what you want to know about with when it comes to stats, when it comes to the Steelers. So if you could hit me up on Twitter at STLR Superfandad or email me at stlrsuperfandad at gmail.com. I am ready for these questions. I got some via Twitter. I got some via email. I didn't, I almost, obviously I'm not going to answer all of the ones I got last week in this episode, but uh, I'll answer others next week, but I, I'm, I'll, then the wet well will run dry if I don't get any more. So I'm ready for more Some of them, it kind of depends on if they're appropriate now, how they fit together. Like, I wanted to answer the playoff question this week because we're in the midst of the playoffs. And I just kind of thought it would be fun to do that. But I had another one that we're going to look at first in the first half. And I have to say, it was so sad to get the Zebra Technologies email this week to know that there was going to be nothing in there about the Pittsburgh Steelers. So obviously there's no more Zebra Technology stat of the week. I really want to thank them for uh, getting me that information each week that I could use in order to to bring you all some of their next gen stats or the some of the information they use to calculate um the NFL's next gen stats. So I'm diving in to this question. Here we go. This is from John Jay on Twitter. John Jay, he's at John Jay Walker. He says, brought it up at a game earlier this year, but a fun exercise would be to look at dollars per target and dollars per reception of Steelers receivers. That's right. We are going to try to figure out who is the most cost-effective Steelers receiver this year for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Oh, I got to break it down how we're going to do it. When I say receiver, I'm not counting running backs because that's not their primary thing. I mean, they also receive, but they also run. I didn't count rushes or anything in there to take away from stuff with some of these players. But I threw tight ends in here. I threw the Steelers wide receivers and tight ends. The reason I do that is is like when I give the PFF grades um, every week. I have receivers, and that's the wide receivers and tight ends. So I just went with that route. I'm going to set you up how I divided this out. And I even took it a little bit farther. This this might have to wait to the second half of the show. But I took it a little bit farther where then I found some other numbers of players in the NFL in order to compare the numbers of the Steelers players too. So depending on how long it takes to get through this, this, we might take our break, do that in the second half, and then answer the other question. So I, I I do not. It's funny. I I said a better question. I didn't want to think that the second question wasn't as good. Um, please don't take that the wrong way. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, Daniel Leonard, who who asked me the question for the second half. But what I'm saying is this was this. I've got numbers and numbers and numbers and numbers with this, and it was fun to do, um, even though it took a whole lot of time. What I did is I looked at every wide receiver and tight end on the Pittsburgh Steelers who caught a pass this year or was targeted. I mean, every every receiver that caught a pass was targeted. The one exception I did not include, I did not include Cody White because it was really difficult to figure out his cost because he was on the practice squad for all but that one game where he had one reception. I just thought that would throw things off, so I didn't include it. I even included Chase Claypool. And I included Chase Claypool. And what I did is because he played eight games with the Steelers before they traded him, I did his salary as eight-seventeenths of what it was and then calculated everything for him. So his numbers are what they are. I'll explain when we get there. But to set up what I did, the first question is how much each player cost. And there's multiple ways that you can look to do this because you, you – you go to these websites I used over the cap.com. That's just the, that's my more preferred one. I know spot rack also gives some good data there, but I'm, I, I go to that one just because it's the one I'm a little bit more used to with things. And both of them have errors at times. Both of them have errors. And, and when I'm going to, I'm getting ready to do a salary cap article here for the end of the end of this week. That'll be at bind dot Your one-stop shop for all things Pittsburgh Steelers. And the problem is they don't even agree on some of these salaries. They have a couple players that their salaries are way different from the two different sites. Um, Over the cap has a player counting on the Steelers right now that plays for the New Orleans Saints. Spotrack is counting um, – Stefan to it twice right now because they put him on the 53 man or sorry, the 90 man roster because he has void years and they counted him as dead money. His money doesn't count twice, but that's what they've done so far. So there's problems with both of these sites. But what I did is I went in there and I'm like, do you want to look at the salary cap number? Well, that's not what the player was paid this year. You know, for for example, if you look at someone this past year, like let's say Chuksa for, okay. He had a low base salary and then he had his his um his, his prorated bonus his signing bonus that gets split up over the 3 years of his contract so do i use his cap number which is lower than the other two years do i use his base salary and just exclude the 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 uh, uh why do i keep forgetting the word of the signing bonus thank you my goodness i keep forgetting about the signing bonus um or or do i Go by the cash paid that year, like his base salary plus the signing bonus the first year of the contract. Well, that could really change and inflate things a lot. So this is what I this is what I went by. I went by on on overthecap.com. You go in there, you you go into Pittsburgh Steelers and you click on where it says contracts. And they have where you could where you could calculate. They have the total value of the contract. And then the next thing they have is APY. And that is their average per year. And honestly, that's the best number to use. It really is. For example, if a player signs a four-year contract for $100 million, guess what their APY is? $25 million. Because that's what they're getting paid over the life of the contract. So you don't don't blow up the the first one by counting their their signing bonus. When you don't diminish the first year by only counting their cap number. The real best way to do it is by their average per year, where you just take overall what they're supposed to be paid for their contract and you divide it by the number of years. I went straight with the exact numbers that they had on over the cap for all of these players APY is what it is, is, their average per year. So the thing that's crazy is just looking at those numbers right there, Deontay Johnson stands out above everybody else because his, his APY is $18.335 million. The next highest one is Gunner O at 2.1. That's it. Nobody else is over two with a lot of these guys less than one. That's just how it works because there's so many of them on rookie contracts. So you're you're going to see as the numbers uh, come in that Deontay Johnson is going to be completely different than everybody else. But it's kind of ironic how it all is going, going to fall out. But I took it a little bit further because what was asked for me by John Jay was he wanted to know per target and per reception. I did two more. I went targets. I went receptions. I went receiving yards, and I went snaps because sometimes a player is on the field playing a lot of snaps, doing other things, and they just might not get targeted. So we're going to look at all four of these things as different categories. So let's dive into it. Um, I could read you off all the all the APYS of every player. I already told you some of them, like Pickens and like Pickens is one point six eight eight and something. Um, Muth is 1.507. Uh, Claypool's would have been 1.654, but yet I took 8 17 of that, which was ended up being, and these are all million when I say these these numbers, which ended up being 0.778, you know, 778,000. Um, ones that are under a, a million, Connor Hayward is 150, about 154,000. I use the exact numbers in my calculations. Um, Sims. Steven Sims is uh, 895k. Uh, Miles Boykin, he's another one. Technically, he cost the Steelers 2.54 million dollars this past year. That was his base salary. I but his a his his APY. I used is what they actually have based on his contract that he had with the Ravens. I I thought that was more fair and more representative than what it would be just for that one year that, that the Steelers took on. Maybe you think I'm backwards. I should have done it the other way, but I'll be honest with you. These numbers are pretty are pretty up there based on this. Just imagine if it would have been um, that that other number. The lowest on the team. And he's he's actually got the lowest APY of the entire Steelers of any player that was, you know, playing playing for the season. And that was Zach Gentry. That's because he was the only guy playing. He was he was playing on his original fourth year, fourth year of his rookie contract, which meant four years ago they were cheaper. So that meant that even though he might be making more than some of these guys right now, he didn't his rookie year because it was a while ago. And he was the last, the lowest draft pick from that year that was still on that contract. So that's why uh, Zach Gentry actually had the lowest one of them all at 716K. Ooh, let's dive into it. So when we look at targets, the the most i'll give you the most expensive and i'll and and go from there the most expensive pittsburgh steelers uh steeler player in in the amount of dollars per target this season is actually gunner o he costs 300,000 dollars per target and you're like oh well he's a kicker turner uh-uh. he got that taken away from him he was only on on the offense so wow most expensive yards per target gunner o 300,000 Next, right behind him was Miles Boykin at $297,911. That's because Gunnero only had seven targets and Boykin only had three. That's why. Then the next highest, obviously, is Deontay Johnson. His 147 targets had him at $124,728 per target. Now, well, that seems like a lot. Then you look at some of the other ones, okay? Um, Con- Connor Hayward, because he didn't have a lot of targets, only had seventeen. He was he was uh, just over fifty six k. Then you have someone like Stephen Sims was almost thirty nine thousand. Zach Gentry was just over thirty one thousand. Um, George Pickens was just over twenty thousand. The two cheapest were Chase Claypool um, at fifteen five sixty nine. If you even want to include him, but honestly, the the cheapest. Um, dollar amount per target for the Steelers, the most cost efficient. That's Pat Fairmuth, his 98 targets. That's $15,378 per target. So that's the targets. Now let's go with receptions. Okay. Boykin was the highest at 446, basically 447,000. Followed by Gunnarow at 420. They're the two outliers with a lot of this because they had such few targets and receptions, you know, um, two receptions for Boykin, five receptions for Gunnerow. So we could have almost just thrown them out, but it kind of shows you a little bit of what's going on there with Gunnarow. Um. So then when you – the next one, obviously, is going to be Deontay Johnson. He actually um, cost the Steelers this year $213,198 per reception with his 86 receptions. The next highest after him – was once again Connor Hayward seventy nine thousand four hundred eighty three, then Steven Sims sixty three thousand two hundred twenty nine or sorry nine hundred twenty nine, then you get down to Zach Gentry thirty seven thousand six hundred ninety, George Pickens thirty two thousand four hundred sixty two, Chase Claypool next to lowest at twenty four thousand three hundred twenty six, and the lowest once again Pat Frermeuth twenty three thousand nine hundred twenty one dollars. Per reception, with his 63 receptions, second most on the team. Now let's go yards. Let's go yards, okay? Boykin, with only 11 yards on the season, was way up there. He cost over $81,000 per yard. Uh, then next was Gunnar O at 39, with his 53. But, you know, those guys were way, way up there. Then you get down Deontay Johnson, $20,000 per yard. Twenty thousand seven hundred and eighty eight dollars per yard with his eight hundred eighty two so he's twenty thousand then you get down to sims which is he was eight eight thousand six hundred and six and then back down to Gentry with the five thousand uh, five uh, five thousand four hundred and twenty five um oh wait I, I skipped Connor Hayward he was before Gentry. he was six thousand okay you know uh Claypool was next. Then the two that are, that are really, really close, George Pickens costs $2,107 per yard, and Pat Framruth costs $2,059 per yard. All right, so let's go to the last one. I did snap just for fun. And who's the most expensive one per snap? That's Deontay Johnson. Um, because even with 1,042 snaps on the season, these are only offensive snaps, as recorded by Pro Football Reference. Um, he cost $17,569 per snap. Um, then the next one was Gunnar O at $9,722 per snap, and then Boykin was $6,771 per snap. And Boykin, Boykin's the one that I feel that we could maybe throw out Because he was a special teams guy. He was a gunner. He made 10 special teams tackles this year. He was a key special teams player. Um, You know, but so was Connor Hayward, but he still was a little bit more involved in the offense. Poykin just wasn't involved in the offense. So – He's in here but you might want to throw him you know kind of throw him out because uh, then after that was also Connor Hayward uh, 5482 but once again he's another guy that also if you if you included total snaps where where you if you included the special team snaps those numbers would go down I only looked at offensive snaps so that would have really dropped especially those two guys after that uh, the next the next cheapest would be uh, Steven Sims at just over 3,000. Then you're looking at um, Pat Fremuth at over $2,000 per per snap, $2,028. Then then George Pickens at $1,913. Then Chase Claypool for the time he was here at $1,684. But the cheapest per snap, that would be one Zach Gentry at $1,241 per snap. Because Gentry... Was used a lot with blocking, so he played a lot of snaps. Didn't get a lot of the receptions. And everything that's why he ended up on the opposite end. So if you want to know who the best value was for all of these things, the best value for 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 targets, it was Fairmuth. For receptions, it was Fairmuth. For for yards, it was barely Fairmuth with George Pickens right there close. You're talking a difference of, um, what is that, $48 between the two of them per, per yard, a difference of $48 per yard. And when you're talking about the best value for snaps, it was Zach Gentry. So that's what those are. We're going to go ahead and take the break. And when we come back, I'm going to compare mainly Deontay Johnson and some of the others because I have one other player I want to compare them to. But a lot of it's mainly going to be Deontay Johnson compared to the rest of the league. And then I'm going to answer another question dealing with the NFL draft. So stick around. We'll be right back after this. Pittsburgh Steelers fans, this has been a lot of fun. I'm, I'm, I don't know. I love a question like this that I, I wouldn't have thought of just calculating all this on my own. But this is fun to figure this out of how much it costs per reception, per target, per yard. Well, what I decided to do was I decided to say, let's look at the top receivers of the NFL. So the first thing I did is I looked at the five biggest contracts the five largest APYs of average per year contract for wide receiver. Well, I, I did wide receivers. I didn't do tight ends because honestly, there I, I didn't think it was going to come in there. And I just now realized I didn't check tight ends, <laughs> but I'm just assuming that it's going to be these receivers. Plus I was trying to compare this to Deontay Johnson. So the tight end didn't really matter. So I did that. But the thing is with those top five, is two of them missed part of the season. Two of them only played nine games, and that was DeAndre Hopkins and Cooper Cup. But I went ahead and did them. to sh- You could really see the difference. But the other three players who did play, you know, I'd say roughly the whole season, they might have missed one game or two, but not really much, was Tyree Kill, Devontae Adams, um, um, Oh, I can't, I remember, Hopkins, Cooper Cup, DeAndre Hopkins, sorry, and A.J. Brown. Those were the top five in salary. But then I went and said, well, what about the top five in receptions? There was two other players that were that were also there that were in top five in, not in receptions, in yards, in receiving yards this past year, that, that weren't in the top five in salaries. And one of them was because they were number six in salary, and that was Stefan Diggs. And he was in, he was number five in in yards, but the NFL's leading receiver this past year is still on a rookie deal. So we'll let's let's look at that one first, real real quick. And that's Justin Jefferson. He's still on his on his rookie deal, but Jeff, Justin Jefferson. So he's someone to compare to somebody like a George Pickens and a Pat Frere-Muth. So if you look at at dollars per target, cost per target who was, I mean, Jefferson was targeted 184 times. His cost per target is $17,830. That is less than George Pickens, but more than Pat Freremuth. Okay, so that's where where he falls there. Then if you look at uh, the amount per reception, he was $25,630. So once again, less than George Pickens, more than Pat Freremuth. So that's where he's falling in based on his salary being, being at the first round pick that he was. Then if you look at at um, dollars per yard, this was where he was way below, not way below, but significantly below. Because think about it. It was Fairmuth at 2,059 for the Steelers, followed by Pickens at 2,107. And Jefferson was 1,814. So that he was pretty darn cheap per yards when you think about that leading the NFL. And then when you look at per snap, he was actually more expensive per snap than Pickens, than than, than than those guys. He was $3,000 a snap. So so um he was more and more expensive than of course than gentry. He was right around you know a little less than Steven Sims. So there he is comparing him to some other players in the Steelers that were on rookie deals. So now, like for example, I'm probably gonna skip to the, um, the Andre Hopkins and Cooper Cup because my goodness, they were their yards per target were 283,854 and 272,449. Because of their targets being lower, because they're missing so much time. Remember, Deontay Johnson was 124,728. So we're looking at 124,000. And and bottom line is, all these guys with the higher contracts cost more money per target than than Johnson. Johnson was just about 125. The next cheapest one was uh, actually Devontae Adams at 155,5. That's how much he costs per target. Then close with Stefan Diggs, 155 8 Then you get into 172 4 for A.J. Brown. And a, the most expensive per target, you know, that not counting those guys that missed time, is Tyree Hill with $176,471 per target. So you're talking he costs more than $50,000 per target more than Deontay Johnson. So if you're wondering if Deontay Johnson being overpaid... He doesn't have quite the production of these guys, but remember those are targets. But uh, it's not costing as much. So let's look at, at at per reception. Okay, the reminder is Deontay Johnson was just over two hundred thirteen thousand. He was that was less um, than than the lowest um, of these other top players because Diggs was two hundred twenty two thousand. And then it was Hill was two hundred and fifty-two thousand, and then Adams was two hundred and eighty thousand, and then AJ Brown was two hundred and eighty-four thousand. So once again, he was cheaper um, when it was cost per reception. Here's where he, here's where there's a, a significant difference. Yards. Deontay Johnson was down there in yards. He did not. He didn't have a lot of yards. Um, some people would say it's because he ran backwards too much, but that's a whole different thing. Um, like the the guys that missed half the season, they were 38,000 and 33,000. Deontay Johnson was almost twenty one thousand. He was twenty thousand seven hundred eighty eight. Uh, the 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 most of any of these other ones was Devontae Adams at eighteen thousand four hundred seventy. Um, then it was Hill with seventeen thousand five, and then both Brown and Diggs were at sixteen thousand seven. 100. Well, Diggs was basically sixteen thousand eight hundred, where um, Brown was sixteen thousand seven hundred. So, as you can see, the Steelers are are, are doing all right money wise with Deontay Johnson when it comes to targets and 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 receptions, but not yards. He's costing them too much in yards because he's not gaining enough. If you want to compare it to the other top guys, then if you look at snaps, where Deontay Johnson was at seventeen six, in in essence, um, that was way cheaper than all these other guys. That were, I mean, they were, it was basically $50,000 per snap for the guys that only played half the season, like Cooper Cup and, and Hopkins. But um, the most expensive was Tyreek Hill at 37.5. And then you had 28 7 for Diggs. Uh, twenty six thousand eight hundred for for Adams, and out of these guys, not counting Johnson, the cheapest one was AJ Brown at twenty four thousand nine hundred dollars per snap. So basically twenty five thousand dollars a snap, where Deontay Johnson was just seventeen five. So the where he's lacking compared to those guys when it comes to the money is yards. So that was just to help put, put Deontay Johnson's numbers that were so different than the rest of the team into perspective compared to some other people. Also remember, Deontay Johnson is the, was the 17th highest APY of a receiver last year. I know Brian Anthony Davis likes to say he's 18th because he's 18 for number 18. He was actually 17th. I don't know if he miscounted or what. But anyway, that's what it was. So the, that's the answer to that question. Woo! And I knew that would take most of the show. And the rest of the show was a question that's not going to take nearly as long. And part, I didn't go back as far as I could have because I knew. I wasn't going to have a lot of time here at the end to answer it, but I really liked it. Yes. You hear me turning the page, maybe rustling the papers, you know, got to turn the notebook, but this one came from Daniel Leonard and he says, people say it's hard to beat the same team twice in, um, in the same season. And this came via email. He says all the time, usually going into the, into playoff rematches of regular season games, but also regular season division games. Is this true? What percent of games that are repeat meetings are won by the first meetings winner. Um, and he said I could look at whatever time period I want. He wanted to know across the NFL for the Steelers only and then excluding division games. So I did it with both counting division games and not counting division games. I went back with the Steelers way farther than I did with the NFL because I could and I wanted to. I went back 10 years with the Steelers. And what's interesting is in 10 years, the Pittsburgh Steelers did not face a team in the postseason that they hadn't already faced in the regular season. The last time the Pittsburgh Steelers played a team in the playoffs that they did not face in the regular season was the dreaded 2010 season against the Denver Broncos and Tim Tebow. They did not play them during the regular season, and they played them in the playoffs. Everyone else since then played them during the regular season. So let's let's go backwards, okay? 2021, the Steelers, they lost to Kansas City in the playoffs. They lost to Kansas City in the regular season. 2020, they lost to Cleveland in the playoffs. They split with Cleveland in the regular season. If they would have won both of those games, Cleveland wouldn't have even been there. Um, Don't get me started on that. Um, 2017, the Steelers lost to Jacksonville. They also lost to them during the regular season. I should know. I was at both games. Yuck. 2016, the Steelers beat the Miami Dolphins after they lost to them in the regular season. The Steelers beat the Kansas City Chiefs, who they beat in the regular season, and then they lost to the New England Patriots, who they had lost to in the regular season. 2015, the Steelers beat the Bengals in the first round of the playoffs, a team they had gone one and one against, and then they lost to Denver in in the next round, a team that they had beat during the regular season. And then last but not least, 2014, the Steelers lost to the Ravens in the playoff. I was at that game as well. Um, And they had split with them in the regular season. So when you look at the six losses that the Steelers had over that time, they had gone three and five against those teams during the regular season. And then if you take out the division games, they went one and three against those teams, not counting the division foes. So teams that the Steelers lost to in the regular season – they generally didn't beat in the postseason. The exception was was I'm looking at the one loss of um of that was that was that was Denver in twenty fifteen. And part of that was because they weren't playing Pate Manning. Um and, and and there was Brock Osweiler where they played him in Pittsburgh and then they had to play Peyton Manning, who I still argue the Steelers should have won that game because he gave himself up and they should have blown the play dead. And then he got back up and threw, and threw a pass. Um, There's a lot that went wrong with that game. But anyway, um, so that's that's the record in their losses in the playoffs. In the wins, in, in the three wins that the Steelers have had in the last 10 years, yes, I know that's sad to say that, they were 2-2 two and two against those teams during the regular season. Um, and if you take out the division games, they were one and one. So they, you know, they beat KC, who they had beaten the regular season. They beat Miami, who they had lost to the regular season. Both of those were in 2016, um, because 2015 it was against it was against the Bengals. So that's how it falls out for the Steelers. So pretty much, if you know, if a steal, if the Steelers beat a team, if they beat a team in the regular season. And then were matched up against them again in the playoffs, taking out the division, the division games. There was only two of them, and the Steelers won one and lost one. That was it. And if now if the Steelers lost to a team, not counting the division, and what's crazy is all these division games? All of them were one and one. Every one of them they were one and one. Um, if they were, if it was a team, they were also faced in the playoffs. Um, if you if you take away that and you say, okay, this was a team the Steelers lost to in the regular season, the the Steelers, what is it? I'd say one and three. Yeah, so um, kind of kind of indicative of how that goes. What I did to just say, how does that look for the rest of the NFL? I looked at so far this year, and I looked at last year. And I didn't go back any further than that because I knew I was going to run out of time. So, and I'm, and I'm right because I'm right up against the end of it here. So let's just look so far right now. Let's look at the games that are about to occur this weekend. What's crazy is half of them are, are rematches. Uh, Jacksonville played Ken- Kansas City um, during, um, during the regular season. Kansas City won that game. Philadelphia played the Giants, their divisional opponents. They beat them both those games. So we'll see how those play out. Cincinnati and Buffalo should have been one, but the, the game got canceled. So there's nothing to go through there. So that would have been a rematch if that game would have been played. Um, although I you know, I understand why it wasn't. I'm just saying it, it was scheduled. And then uh, Dallas and San Francisco did not play this past year. So that'll be a new one. But in the first round of the playoffs this year, everything was a rematch. Every, every game was already, I'm missing a game. I know I'm missing a game. Which one am I missing? I, I'm saying, okay, it's, uh, San Francisco, Minnesota and the Giants didn't write it down, but I know what it is. Okay. Um, I was saying, where, where'd the other game go? So I, so I, so I, I, I got to change this. So, What happened there is Jacksonville played the Chargers, beat the Chargers, and they beat them in the regular season. San Francisco beat Seattle. They beat them twice in the regular season. Buffalo beat Miami. They split during the regular season. Cincinnati beat Baltimore. They split during the regular season. Um, I forgot the one in there. The Giants beat Minnesota. Where the Giants lost to Minnesota during the regular season, and Dallas beat Tampa after they lost to them during the regular season. So, bottom line is the overall record of the winning teams of the of the games that they played against these teams in the in the during the season is five and four, five and four. Now, now throw out the the division games, and you're looking at um, only one of the three games did the team that won during the regular season also win in the playoffs? So it was one out of three. Jacksonville beat beat the Chargers, and they beat them during the regular season. The other two, um, it, it was a change in who won the game. It was Dallas with Tampa, and it was the Giants with Minnesota. So that's what that was. Now I went back. Let's look at all of the 2021, okay? Uh, I, I went through and looked at it. Let's start with the Super Bowl champion Rams, all right? they. They beat Cincinnati in the Super Bowl. They didn't match up during the season. They beat San Francisco um, to get there. They were 0-2 against them in the regular season. They beat Tampa. They had beat them in the regular season. And they beat Arizona, who they had split with in the regular season. So think about this. The team that went on to win the Super Bowl, and they had the teams that they beat along the way, they were 2-3 and three against them um, going, you know, of from the regular season of teams that they also played in the playoffs. So they didn't have a winning record against those teams. But it it's not like it's definite at all. The team that won the first time, you know, um lost the second time. So far. But we'll see. Cincinnati, here you go. They well, I'm gonna look at their wins because we already looked at their loss to the Rams. Okay. So Cincinnati They beat Kansas City, who they beat in the regular season. They beat Tennessee, who they didn't play in the regular season, and they beat the Raiders, who they beat in the regular season. So for them, if they beat them in the regular season, they beat them in the playoffs. San Francisco, they beat Green Bay, who they lost to in the regular season. And they beat Dallas, who they didn't play. So they were, they, they won their revenge game in the playoffs, if you look at it um, in that aspect. But um, but, they'll also remember they had beat the Rams twice and then lost to in the playoffs in in their loss. Kansas City, they they beat Buffalo, who they lost to in the regular season, and they beat Pittsburgh, who they beat in the regular season. I can't believe I had to say that again. And then Tampa Bay, they beat Philly, who they beat in the regular season, and Buffalo, they beat New England, who they split with in the regular season. So in looking at these 13 games, the overall records – of teams that of, of 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 the winners of how they did against those teams of the regular season is seven and six. So pretty evenly split. But if you take out the non-division games, the team that won the regular season matchup won much more often. They were five and two. For example, the Rams beat Tampa, beat them again. Cincinnati, beat Kansas City, beat them again. Can- Um, the the Bengals also beat the Raiders, beat them again. San Francisco lost to Green Bay, but beat them. Kansas City lost to Buffalo, but beat them. But they beat Pittsburgh, beat them again. And then Tampa Bay beat the Eagles and beat them again. That's how it came to five and two. So it's the, the, the way it worked out through all of last year's postseason was teams that won during the regular season won five of the seven games. So far this year, it's they've won one out of three. So we'll see how it finishes out with the, with the rest of everything. But thank you all so much for the questions. Remember, I'll take all the questions I can get. I will get to them eventually. It's a long off season. It's a long off season. So I already have them. I have them in a document. I mark off whenever I answer them. And then the ones that I haven't answered, I'll, I'll try to get to eventually if I can answer them. And I want to be better about this this year is that if it's something that I simply can't, Actually, it's not, there's not a real way to, to, to calculate it. I'll try to let you know if you ask the question. So, once again, STLR Super Fan Dad on Twitter. You could add, do the at gmail.com in order to email me. Make sure you're checking out all of our shows. I'm excited about tonight's preview. I love spending time with uh, Jeff and Brian doing that show. I hope you enjoyed last night's Know Your Enemy. Scobro show was a lot of fun on Tuesday when we were talking quarterbacks. Uh, we've got our whole lineup coming. We're still bringing you the stuff on the weekend. Always make sure you're checking out your Let's Ride Monday, Wednesday, Friday. I'm part of the Ride or Die crew. I don't miss one. And I even occasionally um, uh, throw something into the mailbag. And, of course, Monday, I was just Monday morning conversation when we talked about team needs. So if you didn't catch that one, go back and check it. It was a lot of fun. So whew, the offseason will roll on. Man, I love great questions that give they give lots of numbers to talk about. Thank you, Nerds of Steel. I know you'll come through for me. Um, hopefully you enjoyed this show. They were based on your questions. So I hope you stuck through to the end. And as I always say to finish this out, thanks for geeking out.